1: one thing I want you to be aware of is that you and I need to be ready for the Lord. You and I not only need to be ready for the Lord's appearing and either his snatching us away into his presence or him coming and the end of the days, because beloved, we for the 200 and some odd years that we have had as a country with the relative freedoms of religion that we've had during that time. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but those relative freedoms are getting less and less. Can this nation change? Beloved, it's already changed. We are a post-Christian nation.
0: We believe Jesus will come back to rapture his church in the blink of an eye. It could be any day, at any hour. In today's message, Pastor David implores us to be ready. Even though we don't know exactly what it will look like, we need to be ready on that day. We need to live a life pleasing to the Lord and grow deeper in our walk with Him. We need to repent of all sin and be bold for the gospel. Do not leave any cards on the table. Are you ready and confident for the Lord's return? Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message from the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Revealed and Unrestrained.
1: Now, some might look at Washington, D.C. Okay. Uh, Some might look at Moscow. Some might look at Tehran. Some might, might look at Beijing or Pyongyang in, in North Korea. There, there's a multitude of places we could look, but I'm certain, again, we, we could look at the possibilities of each of these in the past. Man, we, we, we've we looked at uh, Nazi Germany and Hitler. Man, maybe he, he is the Antichrist, and some in the past have even looked at the Vatican. Oh, the Pope is the Antichrist. Again, a multitude of things. I, I grew up in, in a time, in a season, where they would put numbers to the letters of the name, and lo and behold, Henry Kissinger was the Antichrist. And uh, I think John Kennedy was the Antichrist for a while. So all of these different ideas and thoughts that man has come about. But one thing that we know what the scripture says, he's not gonna be revealed until that which is restraining him is taken away. So again, we do understand, we do know that he is a man of sin, a man or the son of perdition. We can go through the scriptures, We can find a multitude of locations that describe this one who is so against God, so against his Christ and the things of God in anything that would enlarge the kingdom of God. According to Daniel's prophecy, and again, we're not gonna go in depth on this because we will never get out of Second Thessalonians if we go into this because there's a multitude of information. But according to Daniel's prophecy, I believe that this is the one who is known as the prince yet to come not speaking of Messiah, but the other prince, one that also Daniel speaks about, that he'll be, in essence, a man of peace. In Daniel chapter nine, verses 26 and 27, it says that this prince uh, that is to come, the people of the prince that is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And then in verse 27, he says, and then he, this prince is yet to come, shall confirm a covenant or confirm a peace treaty with many for one week. And that's the idea, that thought of seven years. By the, the same passage though, Daniel tells us that he is also a peace breaker because he says that in the middle of that week so three and a half days or three and a half years he shall bring an end of sacrifice and offering and on the wings of abomination shall be one who makes desolate even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolation now let's face it you read that verse by itself you're kind of wondering what in the world is he saying there all, all of this, uh, the, the abominations and the consummations and the desolations, how does that all fit and pull together? Let me give you a great warning right now. If you haven't figured it out, do not try to attempt to understand a single word or phrase of prophecy unless you have some kind of a clear overview of all of Scripture, Because you cannot pull a word of prophecy just out of the word of God and get a good understanding of it unless you have a good understanding of the rest of the word of God because it all fits, it all works together. When the Antichrist comes, Paul tells us here in 2 Thessalonians that he's going to come as God into the temple of God. And he is going to show himself or declare himself or reveal himself as being God. And that's the very clear fulfillment of what Daniel is saying here about this abomination of desolation. When the Antichrist comes into that third temple, which we'll speak about in just a moment, he will come in and bring himself right into the very Holy of Holies, that place that only the high priest would go once a year, and he will declare him, Himself again, as God at that point in time, it'll be an abomination. It will destroy the holiness of that place for the Jews at that point in time. And I believe that that happens halfway through that seven year tribulation period. And at that point in time, everything breaks, everything changes and the persecution gets worse and worse. We'll look at that a little bit more, but we don't have to guess at it very much because Jesus even speaks about this very passage of Daniel in Matthew chapter 24. If you'd like, uh, you can turn there, but it's Matthew 24, we're down in verse 15, or you can write it and look at it later. Jesus is saying, warning the people, that when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, Standing in the holy place, that holy of holies, whoever reads, let him understand. Matthew puts that as kind of a little footnote there. Then in verse 21, it says, for then there will be great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. Has there been tribulation in the world? Absolutely. Has there been absolute devastation and and destruction in places and at times in the world? Absolutely. Has the temple been destroyed in the past? Yes, it has. But Jesus is saying this is going to happen greater than it ever was and will never happen any greater from this point. You see, we can guess all day long as to the identity of the Antichrist, but he's not gonna be revealed until he who now restrains him is taken out of the way. So that's our second question. Who is it or what is it that's restraining and how and when will he be taken out of the way? Now, commentators through the years, man, they've come up with a variety of answers for that question, and yet there appears to be a very apparent problem with most all of the speculations dealing with any kind of an earthly force. One commentator writes, fellow by the name of Thomas Constable, he writes that some say that it was the Roman Empire, that the Roman Empire, in their maintaining of peace in the region. They're the ones that were keeping the Antichrist at bay. But as Constable writes, the empire has long vanished and the holder back has not yet been revealed. Another suggestion uh, through the years is that Satan is the one. But it's difficult to see why Satan would hold back the man of sin or the man of perdition. Others suggest that human governments are holding back sin and the revealing of the Antichrist. But human governments will not end prior to the Antichrist unveiling, nor do all governments restrain sin. Amen? Uh, and as a matter of fact, many encourage it. As a matter of fact, even our own nation is passing laws for it. The Holy Spirit of God, Constable writes, is the only person who, with sufficient supernatural powers to do that restraining. Now, it's at this point that we need to be cautious. We need to really understand what's going on here. When the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way, then that man of sin is going to be revealed. Like David Guzik's understanding of this, and I'll share this with you, David Guzik writes that at this time, the Holy Spirit, he who restrains, "...who restrains the full revelation, will be taken out of the way. However, we should not think that the Holy Spirit would leave the earth totally during the Great Tribulation. He will be present on the earth during the Great Tribulation because many will still be saved, sealed, and serve God during that period." And this can't happen without the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, though, is going to be taken out of the way in a form or a fashion, but he's not going to be removed. I believe that the statements that Paul made earlier on in 1 Thessalonians chapter four, verse 17, gives us a really strong clue about the change that's going to take place. Remember, it was a while ago, we went through 1 Thessalonians chapter four, but Paul told the church that at the coming of the Lord, he will first of all receive the dead in Christ. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, snatched up, raptured away together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be, be with the Lord. It'll be at the time of the rapture of the church when the ministry of the Holy Spirit actually changes dramatically and abruptly in the same way that that ministry changed on that day of Pentecost when the church was born. The Holy Spirit moved and worked in a different way in the Old Testament than he did from the time of Pentecost on. Jesus even told his disciples. That you have the Holy Spirit with you, but he will be in you. And on the day of Pentecost was the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, I believe that when the church is raptured out of here, taken to the Lord, that that particular work of the Holy Spirit will be completed. He'll still have a job to do. He will still be working and ministering on the earth, but in a totally different way, in a different manner than what he's ministering even now. And at that point in time, that's when, again, because of that change, that son of perdition will be revealed in that time. It's that time when he who now restrains the Holy Spirit and the church, is taken out of the way the world itself then will plunge literally headlong into anarchy into lawlessness and absolute chaos and that's when that son of or that man of sin will be revealed because he'll come in as a man of peace to bring about order in the midst of the disorder to bring out some kind of lawful construction in the midst of the chaos and the anarchy. That's why he's also called a man of peace at that point in time. He'll be given the opportunity to make his ways known and then his power will continue to expand and extend throughout the whole earth as this man of peace, again, in that earlier portion of the tribulation period. But during the middle of the seven years, that's when, as Paul tells us here, as Daniel tells us back in his prophecy, it's at that point then that he will set himself up as God, as a pseudo-Messiah, and begin demanding worship. And that's when the fullness, again, of the prophecies of Paul, of Daniel, of John in the book of Revelation, they refer to the final time, times, and half a time, that three and a half years. At the end of the first three and a half years, again, uh, he comes and rises, uh, rises up setting himself up as God and the great tribulation begins at the end of that next three and a half years. The word tells us that the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with brightness of his coming. Look at verse eight here in Second Thessalonians. Verse eight on through 12. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God sent them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who do not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Beloved, for those that remain, they're going to be placed under this strong delusion, I believe, is an absolute punishment for their own belief during the time that grace was being administered to all of mankind. As God continued to reach out in his love for all of mankind and they continued to refuse it. As God reaches out his arms to receive and they continued to raise up a fist against the things of God. They'll be now at this point in time they'll be placed under that strong delusion. They'll be left to their own demise. They'll be condemned at that point because they chose to believe the lie and they did not believe the truth, but they had pleasure in unrighteousness, as what Paul says. So what about those that remain? What about them? Can any of them still come to Christ after the rapture and during the time of tribulation? I believe that the Bible shows us through a variety of ways that that answer is yes, they can. But they will be martyred. It will be a hard decision. And if they're not willing to make that decision now, Woe be to those that say, hey, well, if all that's true, once that time happens, once the church is out of here, then I'll bow my knee before God, then I'll accept him. But they're missing out on the biggest portion of what this passage says. No, God is going to send a strong delusion upon them so that they continue to believe that lie. Will they have a chance to believe? Yes. Will many take that chance? No. So I might say that because my, my wife has been sharing her faith through all these years, well, once, you know, if the Lord takes her, man, then I'll know, okay, that's true. Or my, my parents have been talking about this rapture thing. I don't believe it at all. But if, if and when it happens, that's when I'll turn. That's when I'll believe. No, don't believe that lie. That's another lie that continue, continues to deceive individuals. Love well, it only very, very few will make that commitment and it will cost them their life. If they're not willing to do it during the times of relative ease, how are they gonna be able to make that commitment when everything is at stake? Perhaps they might suddenly realize the error of their ways, but Paul tells us here again, the Lord's gonna send that strong delusion. They'll continue to believe the lie. It may sound harsh to you, Oh, beloved, you need to understand and realize that God had continued to extend his love and his mercy throughout all the years and even as Peter tells us in Second Peter chapter three that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. In other words, his promise of coming again as some count slackness, but he's long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Has the time happened yet? Has the Lord come back? No, and that's what Paul is telling the church there in Thessalonica. It's not happened yet. There's a lot that's gonna take place. Are we in those end days, those latter days? I believe that we are in the last of the last days. And I believe that it is of utmost importance for you and I as believers to be serious about our walk in Christ, but it is of eternal importance that those who have never given their heart and life to Jesus Christ, to receive that grace that God still offers. Peter says, that day of the Lord is gonna come as a thief in the night, which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements will melt with fervor and heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned away. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons you and I as believers ought to be in holy conduct And godliness, that we ought to be the ones who are looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, and he's speaking, Peter is speaking to believers here looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless and consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. Is that day coming? I believe so. What has to happen before what I believe the, the, the Bible is very clear is the rapture of the church, not a thing. The rapture of the church could take place at any moment, any day. Now, if if you don't believe in the rapture, I, I understand that there are many that don't believe in the rapture. That's okay. Because when God calls you, if you're his, you're going anyway, whether you believe it or not. I have no problem with that. But whether or not you believe in the rapture, you as a believer better believe that we are in the last days and that the days that we're living in are short. Because we look at the world right now and we understand, and all of these things are winding up. Who can, can be ignorant of the things that are going on and continually are going on over in the Middle East right now? It's like there is a hook being put in the jaw of Russia to come down and be a part of all of this conflict. And all you have to do is go back into Ezekiel and start looking at these things. Man, the scenario is coming together, coming together. Does that mean that it's imminent It's going to happen at any time? I don't know. I don't know the day. I don't know the day or the hour. The one thing I want you to be aware of. The one thing I want you to be aware of is that you and I need to be ready for the Lord. You and I not only need to be ready for the Lord's appearing and either his snatching us away into his presence or him coming and the end of the days, because beloved, we for the 200 and some odd years that we have had as a country with the relative freedoms of religion that we've had during that time, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but those relative freedoms are getting less and less. Can this nation change? Beloved, it's already changed. We are a post-Christian nation. A lot of people gave uh, President Obama a hard time when he said that we are no longer a Christian nation. Well, the sad truth is, is we are not. And all we have to do is look at the laws that are being passed. Look at the the situation. Look at the mindset of our nation as a whole. Can we get like these other nations that have so forsaken God that God then takes his hand of protection away? I believe we've already seen that. I believe that it's already apparent in many ways. Beloved, we are in the last days. So the question is, how long are the last days? It might be another 20 years. It might be another 40 years. God forbid that it would be another 100 years. But we don't know. We don't know. The thing is, is are you ready? Are you ready to stand for him? Should, hey, okay, say there's not the rapture. Say we move into the time of tribulation. Are you ready to stand as believers have stood for 2,000 years in other countries where again Christianity had not only been outlawed but they had sought after believers to persecute them, to imprison them and to take their very lives. Are you strong in the Lord? Are you able at this point in time in your life even to keep up with the foot soldiers? Because beloved, what will you do? when the horsemen come, when living your life as a Christian is going to cost you everything. That's the determination that only you can make. Open our hearts. Change us from within by the open
0: word. Living a life that honors God sounds good in theory, but it's difficult in practice. The more we strive to please Jesus with our words and works, the more the enemy will try to pull us off our path or set up roadblocks of discouragement. What we need at these times is perseverance, and that's what we learn from the book of 2 Thessalonians. We hope that as Pastor David continues to study this New Testament letter, you find your faith renewed and your courage strengthened. If you missed any part of today's message or would like to hear more teachings from Pastor David, you can do so at our website, theopenword.com. Just click on Teachings. The Open Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Casa Grande. And here to bring you a personal invitation to join us is Pastor David.
1: Oh, absolutely. We here at Calvary Chapel, Casa Grande, we've got a seat waiting for you at our worship services. Come by on Saturday or Sunday or even Wednesday if you like. And we guarantee you'll meet some smiling faces and discover more about Jesus. We're nothing special as a church, just a diverse group of Jesus-loving people who delight in the challenge of the truth of God's Word. Come as you are, you'll fit right in. You'll be able to find out more about us when you visit our website, theopenword.com.
0: Thanks, Pastor David. That website again is theopenword.com. Just follow the link to our church's homepage. That's all we have time for today. But be sure to join us again for more insights into the book of 2 Thessalonians right here on The Open Word.